Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. You know, Caleb has been on a series, um, Body of Miracles. And before I get into the message, um, which is going to be the miracle of a great church, I want to talk about what a miracle it is that we're here in this actual land. Um, There's so many new families that you haven't heard the story of how we landed here, but um, before I was um, a Christian, I had my BC days, and um, I actually lived quite the thug life. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating, guys. Like, I was rough. I'll steal your lunch money and not apologize. Um, yeah. And, uh, I met my husband. Um, we lived on this land before anything was even here. Um, our house was over there where the retention pond is. And right over here is where we would ride dirt bikes and, you know, shenanigans I won't mention. Um, but I lived, I lived a rough life. And as a matter of fact, when, uh, my husband, was introduced to me, all of his friends said, run, 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 she's trouble. And I was, I was trouble, I was a handful. And they were like, bro, don't do it, man. Don't, don't do it. You, you don't, you don't wanna mess with her. Um, Cause I had a reputation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 30 years later, yeah, come on. We showed them, right? We've been married 30 years. I'm so thankful he didn't run because it was his mom. This is his mother's Bible. She's in heaven. And this was given to her from her parents in 1958. And the miracle is um, she prayed for me um, before I even knew her. She was the one that prayed. She said, you were the one that I was always praying for that my son would marry a good Christian woman, which I was not. So she was prophesying and didn't even know it. Accidentally prophetic. But hey, she was just telling the truth of how heaven saw me, right? And so I want to just encourage all you mamas out there, keep praying. And when God sends the one, don't look at the outside. She did not look at my behavior. She knew who I was because she knew the Lord. And so it truly is a miracle, me being here, standing here, but also just the miracle of the resting place. It's a, it's a beautiful story. If you've never heard the story, there's more to it. Um, don't, you know, come ask. But this morning, we're going to talk about the miracle of a great church. Um, you're the body of miracles, all of you. And, um, you know, a great church is one that makes room. It makes room for the finished work of Christ, which was for every kind of person. It doesn't leave anyone out. Jesus didn't leave me out, right? He could have, but he didn't because he loved me. He knew who I was. Um, But yeah, it doesn't leave anyone out. It makes room. If God created every kind of person in the body, then then a great church would have to make room for every kind of person, right? And so a great church doesn't, like I said, doesn't leave anyone out because of what Jesus did on the cross. So my question is, do you look at someone and do you see 
Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. And so, like, <laughs> whenever you teach, be careful because you'll learn. You'll learn what you're teaching. But yesterday, I was driving down the road. I was running late. Um, and this guy pulled out in front of me. And then he drove really slow. I was like, oh, my gosh. Come on, really? Um, and then I heard Jesus, Jesus died for them. I was like, oh. Jesus died for them. Jesus died for you. I'm making room for you. Here you go. So I enjoyed my leisurely drive down the road. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read a scripture um, for you. It's Romans 8:17. Romans, the romance of Romans. Ugh, it's beautiful. I love the word. Um, and so Romans 8:17 says, And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Think about that for a minute. All that he is, that's who you are. Who's Jesus? Who is he? Maybe some words come to mind like he's holy. Yes, you're holy. Pure heart, you have a pure heart. Full of resurrection power, are you full of resurrection power? If you said yes to Jesus, absolutely. And all that he has, you are all that he is. You inherited it, all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. What does that mean? It means we don't get to punish ourselves. It means that you're unpunishable. Yes, we can clap for that. Yes. You're unpunishable, guys. You know, um, I spent many years punishing myself for what I did. And let me just save you the trouble. It doesn't make you more holy. It doesn't... It doesn't do anything because Jesus already did it. That's why he went to the cross. <laughs> I don't get to punish myself. I don't get my own cross. You've heard Caleb say that. You don't get your own cross. He did it. Just accept it. It's a gift. So we will experience being co-glorified when we accept his sufferings as our own. That means we accept what he did on the cross, that it's done, it's finished. He went on the cross, he died on the cross for us to dethrone sin, um, sin's a dethroned monarch. He disarmed, defeated the enemy. He already took care of it. So why am I still running around trying to take care of it and clean Clean it up. I don't have to. I have good news. You don't have to. You're unpunishable. I didn't say you don't have consequences. I said you're unpunishable. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So um, let's look at Jesus and a couple of his disciples and consider every kind of person that he led. Um, and I want you to consider some things as we go into the scriptures. He knew he was going to the cross, obviously. But I want you to think about in terms of how he interacted with the disciples. He knew he was going to the cross for them. For them, no matter what they did 
or how they behaved, he knew, I'm going to the cross for them. I'm going for the cross for them. Freedom's coming, um, no matter how they behaved. The power of the cross, the power of the cross, he knew what that would do. It would mean total freedom, not partial freedom. He didn't go on the cross so you can kind of be an improved version. He created you brand new. When you said yes to Jesus, it says in Corinthians, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. He made you new because of the cross. Total freedom. Um, This was always his driving force for everything he did um, and how he responded and how he loved and how he confronted. It was through the lens of the cross. So the first person we're going to look at, look at is Peter. I love Peter. Um, Pete's my bro. Um, and I relate to him in a lot of ways because he was just so gung-ho. I'm a huge risk taker and a big adventurer. And I'm like, yes! And then I'm like, what did I do? You know? Um, and that was, that was Peter. Even like um, when Caleb was preaching about how Peter came out on the water, he walked on water, and he did the same thing. He's like, yes, I'm going to go. And then he's like, oh, what did I do? Um, but Peter was a risk taker, and so I relate to him in a lot of ways. Um, and he was so devoted to Jesus. He was like the, one of the three that was the, really close to Jesus and was in the inner circle. And uh, he loved Jesus. And so he certainly displayed a lot of loyalty to him. And so we're going to look in John 18, verse 10 and 11, and we're just going to get a, a quick peek into some of Pete's highlights. <sighs> yeah. Um, it says here, Peter took out his sword and struck the high priest's servant, slashing off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus ordered Peter, put away your sword. Do you really think I will avoid suffering, which my father assigned to me? So um, we're just going to look at this interaction for a minute and really look at it. Um, How many of us have acted in anger? Yeah, I have. I have, definitely. Um, Peter acted out of anger. He also acted impulsively. I can't tell you how many times I've acted impulsively, but I'm, I'm growing. I'm changing in that, guys. I've accepted responsibility with that, and I realized um, that the Lord gave me ability to pause, to pause. But Peter didn't do that here. He, he was so focused on protecting Jesus because this, this scene is when they're in the garden and he's being arrested. And so he doesn't want anyone to harm Jesus. That makes sense, right? You know, when, you, when you're not thinking about the other side of the cross and you're on this side of the cross, it makes sense that it's an intent. Think about how intense this situ- situation was. And so his reaction, he reacted. He didn't respond. He reacted uh, by cutting off the ear. Um, I love Brian's footnotes. He offers this. Um, it's so good. When we act out of anger, we hinder people's ability to hear our message. You know, Malchus, it says in the scripture, means king. Think about it. You're carrying the king's message, and you might have something to offer someone, but when you act in anger um, and offense, it hinders them from hearing it. Yeah, the gospel of King Jesus actually cut off. So you have a message to carry, and so it's, 
it matters. It matters what we say and how we say it because people are people are watching us. I mean, we may not realize it. Um, my kids are watching me. I was certainly watching my mother-in-law. Um, she loved the Lord, but I was like, this is all dumb and fake, and I didn't know anything about anything. I was saying in the first gathering that um, they used to sing, like, the old hymnals, like, um, there's power in the blood. Does anyone know that? Yeah. Um, I exalt thee. And I'm just like, huh? And I didn't get any of it, and I just thought it was so weird. I'm like, you guys are weird. You're just weird. Is this a cult? Like, but I liked it. I couldn't figure out why I liked it, because remember, I'm a thug. You know, I don't listen to this kind of music. I listen to something else. You know, like, give me some Led Zeppelin. Uh, you know, I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Little Black Sabbath. Yeah. Um, and here I am in church singing Power in the Blood. And I'm like, what is happening to me? Um, but I was watching her. I was watching her. And uh, what I observed when I watched her was that she was full of peace. And that was the hook for me. There's someone in your life that probably needs something that you have. It may not be peace, but for mine, it was peace. And I was drama, the drama mama. You know, drama followed me. I was always in some kind of drama, always in some kind of mess. And chaos was like my friend. And um, so when I observed her, um, all I saw was peace no matter what happened in her life. And I was like, what is that? What is that? I knew I, I was like, I, I think I need that in my life. Um, and so we have to think in terms of greater than ourselves, greater than ourselves. Do we act in anger? Because um, you have a message to carry. So let's look at what Jesus did. He confronted Peter and performed a miracle by healing the servant's ear. Isn't that amazing? Um, that's how he chose to confront the situation is to perform a miracle and the healing of the servant's ear. So I want to ask you, which is more powerful, giving people what they deserve or showing them the heart of God? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus was in complete authority over the timing of the cross. So when you think of the scene and, and just the, his interaction with, his, with the disciples and just even him himself in the garden, he wasn't, he wasn't this powerless person that was caught in a, the bad legal system, right? <laughs> uh, he was in complete authority, and he was going to go to the cross no matter what. And he had the strength to do it. He wasn't this um, weak person. He was in complete authority. And this is why he was careful what he said, what he did. Um, because he didn't want to interfere with what needed to happen. So this wasn't something that was happening to him. This was something that happened for you. Okay? This whole scene happened for you. If you think about it, 2,000 years ago, this, he chose this whole scenario of being arrested. Everything that happened was for you sitting in that chair right now. Galatians 5.1, it's not on the screen, but it says, it is for freedom that Christ had set us free. It was for freedom that he did that. And so it happened for you. The Garden of Gethsemane happened for you. 
being, him being arrested happened for you. Even Peter's denial happened for the cross. These were all labor pains towards our freedom. He was birthing freedom for us. He did it for us. He did it to us. We didn't do it to ourselves, guys. There's nothing you can do to add to what he did on the cross. It's, that would be works. Um, it's a gift. You can't add to what he did. You can't earn it. There's no award. There's no holiness awards. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's only accepting what he did as a gift. Um, we're going to look next. We're going to look at um, Matthew 26, verses 31 through 35. Um, We have Jesus foretelling here. Did you know that this is where fortune telling came from? It's the perversion. The pure version is foretelling. That's what the prophetic is for. It's for foretelling. Um, yeah, so Jesus is foretelling to Peter here. Jesus said to them, um, before the night is over, y'all are going to desert me. Um, Can you imagine what Jesus must have felt knowing that his disciples, it would literally be like Scott, Caleb, Sandy, and Jimmy deserting me in my most hour of need. I can't imagine what that would feel like. Like, I'm out. See ya. Uh, This, was, this will fulfill the prophecy of the scripture that says, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will scatter far and wide. But after I am risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and, and will meet you there. Then Peter spoke up and said, even if all the rest lose their faith and fall away, I will be beside you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be beside you. I love you. I'm devoted to you. I will never leave you. This, this was Peter being loyal Peter. Yeah, I will be beside you. Jesus says to him, are you sure, Peter? Are you sure? Jesus said, in fact, before the rooster crows, a few hours from now, you will have denied me three times. Peter replied, I absolutely will never deny you, even if I have to die with you. He had no idea what he was saying. His heart was just, no. And I believed that he believed everything he was saying. All the others said the same thing. So let's digest the scene a little bit. The disciple whom loved Jesus. This was his bro, his inner circle. There's this tension that's happening, the tension of it all, because Jesus knew something greater was coming. Could you imagine how Jesus felt when he had to tell Peter, you're going to deny me three times? But he knew also what was coming for Peter ahead, you know, in the future. He knew who Peter would become. He even said, on this rock, I will build my church, talking about Peter. And, um, Jesus knew all that, but he couldn't say anything yet until the finished work. 
So here's Jesus in the conversation before it was finished. And even knowing the joy of the cross that was before him, the joy of the freedom that was going to come, right? So he's living in this tension. Um, It's just something Peter did not know. He could not understand in that moment. And I believe it, I do believe it pained Jesus knowing the agony Peter would go through dealing with his emotions of what he had done, of the denial. So much tension. Why couldn't Jesus say, hey, Pete, it's going to be okay. After I resurrect, it's all going to be good. Jesus did not say a word that would interfere with the prophecy because um, his words shift atmospheres, and every word he spoke was intentional and came from the Father. He would not interfere with what needed to happen. Did you know that your words shift atmospheres? Your words do, they shift atmospheres. Will we be that intentional with every kind of person? Will we consider what the Father wants to say in that moment for every kind of person so that they can hear the gospel? The further suffering that Jesus endured hearing Peter deny him was just something I, I think about because it causes me to consider what I'm about to say to someone that's sitting before me, um, including, like, my children. This is actually my son's Bible. It was dedicated to him from my mother-in-law who's in heaven. Um, she said, wrote a note in here, Mom and Dad Irwin gave me this Bible for my birthday, 1958 for Evan. This was an inheritance she left my son who doesn't come to church. So I have to consider my words carefully when I talk to him. What Jesus suffered on the cross made a way for 100% restoration, as we'll see in John 21. So my second point is a church that is great empowers. We confront to the level in which we empower, not sweep things under the rug and pretend it never happened. That leads to mistrust and offense and actually no real change. And so what I want to do is look how Jesus confronted, how Jesus empowered. How did Jesus respond to all this that happened after the cross? So we're going to read um, John 21 verse 1 and 7, after he died and was resurrected. Later, Jesus appeared once again to a group of his disciples by Lake Galilee. It happened one day while Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, Jacob, John, and two um, other of the other disciples were all together. So the whole gang was out on the Sea of Galilee, and Peter told them, I'm going fishing, and they all replied, we'll go with you. So they went out and fished through the night, but caught nothing. Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, but the the disciples didn't recognize or didn't realize that it was him. He called out to them saying, hey, guys, did you catch any fish? (laughs) Not a thing, they replied. Jesus shouted to them, throw your net over the starboard side and you'll catch some. And so they did, and he said, So they did as he said, and they caught so many fish, they couldn't even pull in the net. Does that story sound familiar? Um, Have you heard that story before about they caught so much fish, the net couldn't hold it? 
Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him. And because he was athletic, he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. So this is at least two weeks, I'm guessing, guys, okay? This is not a biblical accuracy, I'm just guessing. It's probably about a couple weeks after um, the cross and he had resurrected. Um, They're out on the lake. And so this, who, like, all that time had passed and Peter had to sit with what he did. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? So here he's sitting with what he did. I, I know that feeling when I've messed up and I've had to sit with it. It's like, ugh. Um, when John tells Peter, it's Jesus, he dives into the lake to Jesus. Gosh, that wrecks me. Come on. He's like, Jesus, he's got to get to him. He's got to get to him. Restoration. Like that leaps hope to me. Like what? He quickly not so he wasn't like, oh, it's Jesus. I'm just going to go check it out. No, he quickly wrapped his outer garments around him. He dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. Peter waded into the water and helped pull the net to shore. It was full of many large fish, exactly 153. That number, uh, they put that number in there because it points to the mighty harvest. Are we in a mighty harvest? Um. I asked the Lord to translate that for me because I hear that's a churchy word to me. I'm like, what is the harvest? Um, I don't know. It just means there's a whole lot of people who are ready to hear about peace. There's a whole lot of people who are ready to hear about joy. There's a whole lot of people ready to hear about their freedom. (laughs) Not one of those people are ready to hear about how rotten and bad they are. Okay? They're just, that's the harvest. Um foretelling again does and and the story of the fish um that's how peter and jesus's relationship began was the big catch isn't that interesting it started with the big catch and now here they are again with the big catch jesus repeats the miracle why to invite peter to follow him again that's what got him hooked in the beginning mine was peace peter was fish he was a fisherman Yeah, so it was an invitation for Peter to follow him again. And so this is not on the screen, but Jesus was like, hey, let's come have breakfast, you know. Um, I was actually on that um, in Israel, in the Sea of Galilee, where they had breakfast. Well, where this interaction just happened that I'm getting ready to tell. Hey, where's my rock? Oh, I have a rock. No, I'm not going to throw it at you. Um, this is from the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting that that area is full of rocks when you think about um, Peter's name and that he actually sat there with Jesus. So he says, Peter, Simon, son of John. <laughs> he says his whole name. Peter, Simon, son of John. I mean, I always took that as like, you know, when you say someone's full name, it's because you're in trouble, right? My mom would go, Tracy Leanne Irwin. Um, But that's not the tone that Jesus used. So I want you to hear your full name with the tone of the invitation. Scott, what's your middle name? Hmm? Scott Kenneth Smiley. (laughs) Simon, son of John. Tracy Leanne Irwin. 
He says, do you burn with love for me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs. Jesus says, take care of my lambs. In other words, don't cut their ears off. Don't get angry at them. They're lambs. Those are lambs out there. I was a lamb. On the outside, I was a thug, but on the inside, I, you know, was something else. I was a heart that needed care. You know, they're lambs. Um, he repeated the question, do you, burn with, do you burn with love for me? Then take care of my sheep. Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter, it says in the scripture, Peter was saddened by being asked the third time. And he said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus' response was to restore Peter's leadership. Peter denied him three times and now giving him three opportunities to redeem himself. Right? He denied him three times. Jesus asked him three times, does your heart burn for me? It was, it was a call of restoration. Jesus knew how Peter was going to respond. It wasn't so Jesus could find out where his heart was. It was so that Peter could recognize where his heart was. Confronting should look like restoring. Confronting should look like restoring in marriage and parenting. Guys, we, we have to deal with confrontation. Let's do it the way Jesus did it. Confronting should look like restoring. Empowering should look like restoring. Right? The rock is not to throw, it's to restore. Um, a great church creates sustainability. We inspect what we inspire, not point out flaws. Okay? Let me give you the definition of sustain. It's to strengthen or support. We strengthen and support your abilities. If you're leading, well, let me just tell you, you're, you're a leader. You're leading someone, and someone's following you wherever you're at in your life. And sometimes when you're leading, you have to inspect the things you've inspired, okay? And what I've experienced in the past, it looked like pointing out all the things I did wrong. What's wrong with you? How could you do that? You can't do that. I mean, that has been my experience, whether it be my parents who didn't know how to empower or in leadership. That's what I've encountered. But that's not how Jesus did it. He, he restored when he empowered, when he inspected. He was inspecting Peter on the, on the Sea of Galilee. That was a fruit inspection. <laughs> and so he, wasn't, he did not mention one time about the denial. He didn't say, Peter, how could you leave me? Why did you do that? You're so dumb. How could you do that? When we inspect, it's to strengthen and support. It's for me to go, okay, this is where you're at. Then I need to move in closer to support you even more so that you can carry out the message that God has given you to, to carry. And so... Jesus restored Peter on the Sea of Galilee. And that is, let me tell you something, that's the highlight reel God plays. He's like, yes, Peter's restored. He's amazing, my bold Peter who takes risks. Yes, 
He's going to go out and spread the gospel. And although this really happened, the denial really happened, it is not God's highlight reel. They didn't talk about it, like I said. He didn't sit down and point it all out. So I want to ask you, what movie, what highlight reel do you play in your mind over yourself or for other people? What highlight reel do you play? I used to play the same tape over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and all the while, God's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you, I, mm, I don't know. I don't know that movie. <laughs> Peter jumped into the water to Jesus. Will you let safe leaders restore you? Are you running from or are you jumping in to be supported in sustainability? Jesus already knew what Peter was going to say, but again, this dialogue was for him, for his heart to follow Jesus again. And, you know, when we let safe people who lead us well inspect what's been inspired in us, it's an opportunity to grow and see where our heart is. How will we respond to that is so important, guys, because it actually reflects where we're at and our ability to carry out what he's called us to do. What has he called you to carry out? It's important. So there's a process, honestly, with every kind of person, um, there's a process, and it all looks different. And so when we come together as a body, um, what do we see in each other? What do we see when someone is in that process of maturing? So seeing each other as kings and priests instead of flaws is, is what Jesus did. Will you see co-heirs of Christ? Will you see each other as that? A church that is great leaves room for encounters. <laughs> Close encounters of the third kind. No, just <laughs> Close encounters of the king's kind. Yeah. So a church that is great leaves room for encounters. Um, another one of my favorite stories. Um, Jesus made room for Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. Paul, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Saul of Tarsus was plotting and murdering Christians and has chosen to preach the good news. The one who is killing the Christians is chosen to preach the good news. I mean, come on. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my gosh. Identity is not based on behavior, guys, but on what God says, but on who he says you are. So sometimes confrontation looks like an encounter with Jesus. That's good news, right? Um, yeah, we're going to read Acts 9, 1 through 4. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all the believers he found, both men and women, both men and women, and dragged them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. So here's Saul. He gets his suddenly. 
falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It began with a sound. Have you ever heard a sound that dropped you to your knees? A sound that drew you into an encounter? That's, that's the king. So let's think about this for a minute. Let's just think practically in our own lives. Out of all the things Jesus could have said, <laughs> he didn't say. He could have said, murderer, Saul, you're despicable. I'm going to get political here for a minute. There's a lot of talk about how despicable Nancy Pelosi is. Um, Nancy means gracious. She's been trafficked, guys. She's actually created to be a very gracious person, to be full of grace. And you see how the enemy has twisted it and has made her the exact opposite. Exact opposite, like 180. Um, how many have we called despicable? Abortionists, we've probably called them despicable. Traffickers. They're all to die for, guys. They're all to die for. Wasn't Judas to die for? Jesus made room for him among the 12 and washed his feet. He wasn't a condemning voice booming. He asked a question. Saul, Saul, why are, why are you persecuting me? Don't you just love Jesus when he asks questions? Have you ever noticed why he does that? It's so that we can think for ourselves and answer for ourselves. Saul had to think about that question. Why am I <laughs> Why am I persecuting? So he was persecuting followers of the way. And honestly, to persecute the church, that's what was called the way, the church, is actually to persecute Jesus. So when I'm persecuting anyone, I'm persecuting someone Jesus died for. That's not, that's not what we're created to do. Oh. So this is, I don't think this is on the screen, but I'm just going to kind of fast forward to what happened. He was sent to, um, sent to a city. He was struck blind. And I'm going to pick up the story where he calls on the prophet Ananias to heal his blindness. Um, and I said in the first gathering, I can hear Ananias singing, no matter what it looks like, you have my yes. No matter where it takes me, you have my yes. Because Jesus sent Ananias to heal Paul. And everybody knew who Saul of Tarsus was. He had a reputation too. They knew who he was. They knew he was killing them. And so here Ananias, the prophet, is <laughs> asked to go, go, heal, go heal him. What? <laughs> And he even says to the Lord, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the guy that's killing the Christians, <laughs> uh, let me help you out. Uh, he's killing people. Hello. <laughs> and But this is how Ananias identifies Paul. And Jesus, I love this, he replies with a prophecy <laughs> over Paul. And he says, I have chosen this man to be my special messenger Whoa, I can't, I mean, I'm trying to picture Ananias hearing this. He's the first one to hear who Paul actually is, the way heaven sees him. He's the first 
human ears for that prophecy to hit. Has God ever told you a beautiful secret about someone, who they are, what they carry, and you know what's inside of them? Isn't that so beautiful? So here Ananias gets to hear who Paul's going to be. Whoa, nobody knows. Ananias, because he's a friend of God, knows. He's the first one to be in on the secret of what's about to go down. So (laughs) he says, I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. He will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. (laughs) Paul's going to have passion for him. No longer passion for killing the Christians, killing the way, the message. He, He was killing the message, guys. And now he's called to deliver it. Come on. Whoa. <laughs> he was killing the message of Christ. And now he's carrying it in one moment. Encounter should empower us towards identity and purpose. Do we believe what he says about us? Do we believe what he says about other people? Will we believe? Um, I love Dan McCollum. He's one of my favorite teachers. He's coming in April. Woo, yes. Um, he says, if you're going into heavenly encounters, you should be bringing a to-go bag back <laughs> and share it with everyone. Because, you know, encounters are not just for feels. It's to release heaven on earth. And so a church that is great makes room for that. So I'm just going to close with just what I started with, which is the miracle of a great church, um, which is all of you. Is, Is TRP a miracle? Yeah. We're a great church, and we're going to continue to growing. A church that is great makes room. It doesn't leave anyone out. It makes room for the finished work of Christ, which was for every kind of person. A church that, that is great empowers. We confront the level in which we empower, not sweep things under the rug. A church that is great creates sustainability. We inspect what we inspire, not point out flaws. That doesn't mean any changes. <laughs> you know that doesn't make changes, right? Pointing out flaws, yeah. <laughs> a great church leaves room for encounters, leading to identity and destiny. We will be known as a great church at the resting place. And I prophesy over all of you that you will be the great church that Christ died for, that he died for. And we've, we've all said yes. So I'm grateful. And I'm so grateful to serve all of you, kings and queens. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.